Hey, IC Warriors. Welcome back to another episode of ICU. Today, I have Annie Killen on the podcast. Annie is a 20-something living her best life in California. I am so jealous. Um, I think that a lot of you are going to be able to really relate to Annie. Um, She'll talk about her struggle with IC and also her history of an eating disorder. So trigger warning, if you are triggered by the topic of eating disorders, then skip this episode. Um, But if not, enjoy listening to Annie's story. Welcome to the ICU podcast. I'm your host, Callie, registered dietitian living with interstitial cystitis. Each week, I'll be diving into hot topics in the IC world, giving others a platform to share their story, and I may even reveal some of my favorite nutrition tips. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get into the episode. All right. Hey, Annie, do you want to quick introduce yourself? Yes. Okay. So my name is Annie Killen. I'm 28 years old, originally from San Diego area, but I moved to LA about a month ago and I moved here for work. I'm the manager of business and legal affairs at a small production company called Funny or Die. Um, And then you and I met through social media when I was literally searching, I think I searched interstitial cystitis or IC friendly into my hashtags and you popped up like right away. And now we're friends. Yeah, no, so many people find me through hashtags on Instagram and it's cool because it'll just be somebody super random and I'll be like, Hey, do you have IC? And they'll be like, yeah, found you through this hashtag. And that is so cool to me. I've even gotten into the TikTok game this weekend. Oh, I saw that you're a TikToker now. Yes, I am. I am working on some content and it's kind of similar in that you can find each other through hashtags but the Mm -hmm. captions are a lot shorter and you know it's it's taking a little bit for me to get used to it but I can't wait to you know talk with people in that community like I I guess there's an IC TikTok community that I didn't know about yeah neither do I I know I feel like I'm so intimidated by the TikTok world and I don't know how to use it. So like, I haven't even downloaded the app yet, but I'm, it's on my list of to-dos. Cause I do feel like you said, I can probably get more content, like receive more content and like learn more things and yeah, a different way. Yeah. And there's actually a, I see Reddit community. Have you ever been on Reddit? I, so I went on there when I first got diagnosed because like everyone else, I had no idea what I was doing or what I see really was. And so I went on Reddit, but it was a little too negative of an environment for me. Like it was, a, it wasn't as informative as I would have hoped. It was more people being like, I wish I could have tomatoes. This sucks. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's a lot that? of venting and just- yeah, which is great. I'm just like, that's not really my personality. Like I'm very, like, I try to be as positive as possible. So I was like, this isn't the community for me, but then I have found a lot of people. We probably follow all the same people on Instagram, but there's like a lot of people where I remember, I don't remember her Instagram name, but she's pretty popular. And she, I remember I started following her and she posted like herself sitting on a toilet and she's like, been here for six hours. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never talked to someone else who has sat on the toilet. Like I have slept on the toilet before. Oh, sorry. Los Angeles noises. Um, I have slept on the toilet before, like with a pillow, like hunched over 
because I couldn't get off the toilet because, you know, I thought I had the like an UTI from hell. Yeah. Okay. Why don't we let that be our segue into you sharing <laughs> your IC journey? Yeah. Okay. So long story short, I haven't had IC as long as you. You're the person, no one I know has had it longer than you. You're like the poster child for IC. Um, <laughs> you, you truly are. Um, I, so as long as I can remember, but like, especially starting in like undergrad. So 2011, when I went to college, I started getting UTIs all the time. And then in law school, it got really bad to the point where I was taking an antibiotic every month. And I don't know why no doctor said like, you can't be on antibiotics this long. You shouldn't, you know, there's a bigger problem. So at that point, I thought that I was getting UTIs from hiking elevation. I was told that whenever I fly or I hike to a high mountain peak, I would get a UTI, um, sex, like not peeing after sex fast enough, even though like I would literally race to the toilet. Um, not having enough probiotics, even though I had a lot of probiotics, just like the normal stuff, dehydration, stuff like that. Then in 2019, it was super bad to the point where I started losing bladder control. So I remember like someone at my law firm was saying, oh, your bladder probably dropped, which is weird. Cause you haven't had kids and you're young, but that must be what it is. So I thought, so I went to the doctor telling them like, someone told me my bladder probably dropped. They're like, no, that's not what it is. Again, just told me you need to have probiotics, wipe correctly and pee after sex. I'm like, okay, I'm doing all those things, but whatever. And then in 2019 still, it was to the point where I wasn't sleeping anymore. And I would just lay in bed and I was like, I want to go to the doctor. I don't have time. So I'd be laying in bed, not being able to sleep, whatever. I have UTIs. That's why I thought I diagnosed myself with like chronic UTIs. And then in 2020, I was determined to go to the doctor, but then COVID happened and my boyfriend is a nurse. So we were quarantined very intensely. I was not going to the doctor. I was not sleeping. I, now I know on those nights I couldn't sleep. It was probably because we had spaghetti, (laughs) but at the time I remember I would tell him like, I can't sleep. I have that urgency feeling like, I feel like I'm going to pee, but nothing's coming out. And he doesn't, I mean, I see a lot of people don't know about IC. So despite him being a nurse, he had never heard of it. And so he just said, you must have a UTI, like just try to sleep, drink more water. We'll get you on an antibiotic. So then 2020 was like very painful year for me. A, it was COVID. So like everyone was having a bad year, but based on my IC, like I couldn't go anywhere. I was peeing my pants, place it like losing bladder control, just super uncomfortable all the time. Couldn't wear jeans anymore. Like all those things. And then 2021, my new year's resolution was literally figure out what's wrong with my bladder. So in January, I went to the doctor, they referred me to go to a urologist and he diagnosed me on the spot, like walked in the room was like, you have interstitial cystitis. Turns out my mom is interstitial cystitis and never thought to tell me that she's interstitial cystitis because hers like, isn't bad at all. She takes Emeron and she takes one pill a day instead of two. And she's like, at this point in my life, I don't want to go on a strict diet. Like I'm already 55. That's fair. Yeah, honestly. And so, and hers isn't bad. Like she, hers is like, I know she had like bladder issues from like having babies and stuff like that, like the lining for bladder, like her situation is much different. It's not as severe as mine. So that's why I think it like didn't click in her brain, but so yeah, I got diagnosed January, 2021. So officially it's been a year. Wow. Okay. So what treatment methods have you tried since you were diagnosed? 
So like most people, I know you and I have talked about this. I got handed a sheet of paper with every single food group and seasoning I'd ever heard of and was told they couldn't have it. And so I got in the car and I started crying. And I remember I asked my doctor, I'm like, it says no coffee. Is that just a suggestion or is that no coffee? And he was like, you can't have caffeine, coffee, green tea, matcha, nothing. Right. Like, is there any wiggle room here? (laughs) Exactly. I was just like, this seems so extreme. Like I'm going to have caffeine withdrawals and I've been like, I went to law school. Like I drink a lot of coffee Mm -hmm. and he was like, you need to go cold Turkey starting today. Like you can't have coffee tomorrow. Like basically told me there was no like leniency. Like, so the next day I went cold Turkey. I remember that night for dinner, my mom made me chicken with salt and pepper and I had broccoli with nothing on it. No girl, nothing. And that was my dinner. And I think some brown rice. And then the next day I ate a banana. Like I didn't know what to eat. I was like, I can eat oatmeal, have a mm-hmm. banana, had such a bad headache, from <laughs> no caffeine. Um, I would do hot water with honey and I would call it Pooh Bear coffee. Oh and yeah. Your Pooh Bear coffee. You told me about this. Coffee. My boyfriend would even make it for me and be like, are you ready for your Pooh Bear coffee? And <laughs> I wear a lot of crop tops. So I am Pooh Bear. And oh. it just became a little thing, but that can only hold you over for so long until the taste of honey, like it now revolts me. Like I did that for so long, but I went cold turkey until with everything. So I went cold turkey with everything. I didn't introduce a new food group until end of April. That's such a common experience. Um, I did that, like go cold turkey on everything. Mm-hmm. I've run into so many people who do that as well. And it's, it's a lot. Like, first of all, your body is like, what are you doing? This is different. Oh, than what we're used to. You can get like really constipated or you know. thousand percent and not having coffee. Like I was constipated. My digestive system just was not working, but also I have, I'm a big believer that like, if you eat something while you're stressed out, your body's going to be stressed about it. Mm-hmm. And when you find out you're sensitive to every food group that freaking exists on the planet, mm-hmm. I was stressed eating anything and then reading every single label and every single thing, like the last ingredient would be tomato paste. And I'm like, I can't have it. it has tomato in it or it has onion powder. I can't have onions. I like every single thing. I was so conscientious. I didn't go out to eat for four months, just super careful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was really stressful, but I also don't know. It would have been helpful to have someone like you in my life to help me with the elimination diet. Cause I just did it on my own. The first thing I introduced was coffee and it was too soon. Mm-hmm. I lost bladder control. I was in the friends. With, I was in the car with my friends. I lost bladder control. So that was fun. Peeing my pants yeah, wait, in my tell, car. Tell me more about that. Oh my gosh. I, so I went to Paso Robles for my best friend's 30th birthday. Is that a restaurant? That's, no. So Paso Robles is a, it's a, it's like Napa Valley. Have you heard of Napa? Yes. I've heard of Napa. Okay. So it's like Napa. Oh, it's, and, I don't know why it sounded like a restaurant name. It might be called Paso Robles. I think it's how you're supposed to say it. I say Paso Robles. I'm pretty sure I say it wrong, but sounds nice. Yeah. So we went wine tasting for like four days and I didn't consume a single even taste of wine, but I went with everyone. There was like a big group of us. And the last day I was so tired because I was trying to party with everyone, even though I wasn't drinking. So I would be staying up late, but like not having as much fun as everyone, obviously. And the last day I was like, I am having coffee today. I just want one cup. My boyfriend's like, I don't know if this is like the best day to try your first thing. And I was like, I will not make it in the car right home. I have to have it. Like I'm so groggy. We've been up so late every night and right. everyone was having coffee around me. You've been depriving yourself of everything you want to indulge in. 
Yeah. I know. So I was already annoyed that I couldn't have like wine or like any of the desserts that were there and all these things. It's hard to go to a four day birthday party and not have anything. So I had one cup of coffee. I think I had like half of it and I felt kind of fine. And then on the way home, it's about a six and a half hour drive back to San Diego. And I got the feeling that I had to pee, but it wasn't that bad. I was just like, when you guys come up to a next truck stop or a restaurant, McDonald's, whatever, I need to like get out of the car and use the restroom. We pulled over at In-N-Out. I stood up and ran as fast as I could to the bathroom. There was a line. And right when I stood there, pee just came out. Like no control. I was doing on my pelvic floor, like things. It was just too much. My body could not handle it. So I walked back to the car <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I peed my pants and Thank God it was my boyfriend who's a nurse. So nothing scares him. My best friend and my best friend's boyfriend who they've been together forever. And they were so nice about it. Of course, I was so embarrassed. Yeah. I think I was 27 at the time, 27 year olds peeing my pants, but wait, you're older than me. Yeah. I'm 28. I don't know why I'm 27. I don't know why I thought you were like the same age as me slash younger than me. Pretty much are when you turn 28. Uh, no, I turned 27 in August. Oh, you're 26. 26. Holy moly. I, so I turned 29 in July. Whoa. So I'm, oh, yeah. Fourth of July, right? Fourth of July, baby. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I did, I thought you were older than me too. I don't know why. Weird, right? I know. Weird. But, but sorry, yeah, so I my pants, peed my pants as a 27 year old. Great feeling. Just nothing really humbles to feel quite like that. I like so, how you owned it though. You were like, oh, I'm going to do with pants. I just came out, I was like, I got, I peed my pants, so I'm going to need to change. And then the boyfriend was like, I'm so sorry. Like I would have pulled over he so much sooner. So bad. Oh, he felt so bad. And I told him, I was like trying to, I'm like, I didn't even know I had to pee that bad. Like yeah. I had coffee. I obviously shouldn't have. So that was in April. And then I waited until June to have coffee again, but I introduced, um, I think I introduced like, first I did like seasonings, like really small things. Like I remember did like, I did everything, but the bagel seasoning on some toast or avocado toast or something. I was introducing things one at a time. I would take about two and a half, three weeks between each thing. Okay. So it was a very slow process for me. I was doing it on my own. So I really was just figuring it out as I went, but there's certain things, coffee I can have as long. Like I also learned that my flares depend on my menstrual cycle and my Mm -hmm. stress level. So if I'm ovulating, I can't have caffeine. So I have decaf coffee when I'm ovulating just because I think it's common. I was told by my pelvic floor therapist and my doctor, it's common that if you are either you're ovulating or your period is just starting, usually you're, you can be like a lot more sensitive to things. So, right. Yeah. I have, I have women in my program who flare at the same exact time every single month. So it's definitely a big trigger for a lot of people. Yeah. And stress. I'm stress is a huge trigger for me. It's my big trigger, which is so hard to control because you're we're already low key kind of stressed all the time while we're eating at first. Cause you're, you're trying something new for the first time. And like I said, like if you're stressed, putting something into your body, I believe that your body will be stressed trying to digest it. Mm-hmm. So now, whenever I try something that I think might trigger me where I'm kind of unsure, like say it's chocolate, I'm having a piece of cake at someone's birthday and I have some chocolate. Sometimes chocolate does nothing to me. Sometimes I get triggered. So I just try to be as calm as possible. I'm just like, I can have this. I like literally tell myself that while I'm eating it, I'm not, I won't be sensitive to this. I can have chocolate. It's not a trigger for me. I like literally say that stuff. Right. Yeah. And mentally you can 
create a physical reaction just by stressing about eating something. I had to have that addressed in my program because I noticed a lot of people would have symptoms or would go into a flare after eating a certain food. And we had to step back and be like, was this the food or was it your, um, was it your thought process when you Mm -hmm. were, you know, consuming that? Mm -hmm. Like another thing you can look at to figure that out was when did you eat the item versus when did you have your reaction? Because that can also be Mm -hmm. very telling of what's going Mm -hmm. on. Are you someone that has, or do you find in your clients, do people have triggers right away or is it delayed or does it depend what the food is? So I get asked this question a lot. So what I tell people is a reaction can happen anywhere from 30 minutes to three days. It depends on the person and it also depends on the item. So for me, I will typically see a stress reaction the same day, but if it's a true food reaction, it'll happen the next morning when I wake up. Mm -hmm. And for the majority of people that I've worked with, I would say it happens either that day or the very next day. It's typically not all the way out to that three day mark, but I have had one or two people have that experience. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm, if it's stress related, it's within 30 minutes. (laughs) And if it's alcohol or something like that, then it's usually two days. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, everyone's so different. It also depends on like, what's my activity level. If I'm just laying around the house, then I'm, it doesn't trigger. I don't get as triggered versus if I'm at work the next day on set or something, then I'm for sure going to feel it because I'm wearing tight pants and absolutely. There's so many other variables that go into it. So that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you did this elimination diet. Now I know that you have a history of an eating disorder. Can you Mm kind of discuss that history and how it factored into your IC and trying these foods? Yeah. So backstory had developed an eating disorder in high school. It got pretty severe. My junior year, I started having seizures. So I did an outpatient program through my school actually to, it was kind of, now that I look back, it was not properly handled. It was, I would have to eat lunch in front of a teacher and like sign something that said I ate all my meals, super inappropriate way of handling it, but things have progressed over advanced over how to treat eating disorder since then. But so that was high school, undergrad college. I relapsed a tiny bit, but wasn't that bad. And then in law school, my third year of law school, graduating law school, got super severe as well. I handle stress and personal trauma through not eating. And so it makes me feel like I have control over things. So that is the main reason for my eating disorder. And so I, my eating disorder got really bad to the point where now I'm still dealing with stuff. I actually have, um, like bone issues now and digestive issues and menstrual cycle issues and issues with my other organs, all because my eating disorder was very severe this last time. So I've been in recovery for three, it'll be three years this spring. And I did an outpatient program again. So I'm very open about my eating disorder now that I've had it so many times and I've had it for so long. And this last relapse was so bad that it was pretty public. Anyone who was following me on Instagram saw it. I was about 
almost 40 pounds less than I currently am. And I currently have a very small frame. So it was very public. So I've been very open about it. So when I got diagnosed with IC, I called my two best friends and told them I'm scared because I was just told that I have to cut out this. I sent them a picture of the list. I'm like, I have to cut out all these foods and I enjoy cutting out foods. I enjoy restricting. I it's almost like a drug for me. That's like the best way I can describe it. I get high off being hungry and it makes me feel in control. makes me feel better. It's like a drug for me. So I knew that this would be a huge, could be a huge setback in my recovery. So my friends were like, let's word it properly. A let's up your therapy. Cause you're probably going to need it. B let's not say it's you're on a diet. Let's not say you're restricting. Let's not say anything. They use the words you're on an elimination food plan. I love that. So I was on an elimination food plan because I didn't want to use the word diet because I'm very anti-diet. And so I think having the open dialogue with my friends and my family really helps. If I was not someone who was open about my eating disorder with those around me and with the public in general, I most likely think I would have relapsed because I had my friends checking in on me every single day. My friend, she, my best friend, Alyssa, well, would text me and be like, I'm eating my salad right now for lunch with chicken and this and that. What are you eating for lunch? Send me a pic. Like, let's eat lunch at the same time, even though she works at a salon and I was working from home, but we were doing little things like that to make sure I was still eating, even though I couldn't eat very much mm-hmm. or I couldn't eat a diverse amount of foods at right. that time. Right. So that was definitely a hard balance. And I think for anyone who is told they have a chronic illness that can be healed through food, which of course should be the, is the best way to naturally heal it. Of course it is. If you don't have a support system, I think it would be nearly impossible not to relapse. That's my opinion because it was a very big struggle for me where I would be, I would often have breakdowns because I was so stressed about what I could and couldn't eat. And then at the same time, didn't want to eat because of my eating disorder. So that was a really big battle in my brain. And I'm really, really blessed that I was at that point, two years into recovery when I got diagnosed. Yeah. And this condition is, is isolating. And if you don't have a support system, it's going to be really difficult. So that's amazing that you were able to be so open about it with all of your friends and family. And you look like you want to say something. I was just thinking it also could cause eating disorders. Like if I didn't have one already, I could imagine getting an eating disorder because you get obsessed. So I was anorexic and then I was orthorexic, which is orthorexic is you're obsessed with eating healthy and eating clean, quote unquote, I hate that term, but eating as healthy as you can be where I would go to restaurants and not eat there if they couldn't tell me what kind of, if they were cooking with olive oil. If I was afraid they were cooking with canola oil, I wouldn't eat there. I would have mental breakdowns at the thought of eating something that wasn't organic. I would panic if I ate something that wasn't dairy free. I was so obsessed. And so I could imagine someone becoming, and I'm sure people do unfortunately become orthorexic without even knowing and have disordered eating as a result of having to be so restrictive with the quote unquote elimination diet. Yeah, no, I see so much of that. And it all starts with that I see diet lists being handed to you when you're diagnosed and that lack of education that most doctors aren't giving. Mm -hmm. And that's a a place where we all need to do better. I'm working on educating these physicians and helping them understand what, 
what they can accomplish in such a short period of time with a patient or how to refer out to a dietitian that can help the patient. But I have definitely noticed there are a lot of people. I, I would say the majority of people that I encounter on social media are terrified of eating or at least some extent anxious mm -hmm. about the idea of eating. So I also had an eating disorder, um, a couple of years ago. And like you're saying, like, I, I luckily had a really good support system and I've had, I see my whole life. So I didn't really need to have that moment where I was handed the diet list. Like I think I found out on my own and I kind of went through it on my own, mm -hmm. but it could definitely be a trigger for a lot of people. And it's, it's so much food fear. I, I always describe the IC diet as like a nice monster because it's, it's really helpful to guide you through an elimination diet, but it gets twisted in the community where people think they need to be following this restricted diet for the rest of their life when that's totally. just not true. Totally. And that's what I thought when I was handed it, mm -hmm. I found out from people like you and other people I found on social media. Cause the day I got diagnosed, I went on my phone and I went on Instagram and followed every single person who had the word icy in their Instagram bio or was mm -hmm. hashtagging anything. And I saw people eating things. And I remember I wrote on one girl's Instagram photo and I said, I see you're eating onions. Like how long could tell you could eat onions? And she told me it was like a year before she could eat onions, but then like other people can eat things sooner or later or whatever. So that's when I realized, oh, I don't have to eat this super restrictive diet forever. And also it helps having that sense of community. Cause I agree. I get messages from people who say I've been eating the same thing every day for a year. I'm too scared to try anything. And I straight up tell them you might get a reaction when you try something. It's that's, it's a double-edged sword. You sometimes find things, oh, this didn't bother me. Or you, like we said, you have something, you don't get triggered by it. You have it again and you are triggered by it because it's a different time of day. You're stressed out. It's a different time in your menstrual cycle, whatever it is outside, you know, reasons, but the community helps. I was just thinking about how Thanksgiving you posted the, um, what is it? Not cranberry, blueberry sauce, like mm -hmm. instead of cranberry sauce. And I remember going into Thanksgiving this year and last year, Thanksgiving, I didn't have anything. I was too scared to try things. And this year I was like, I kind of want to try cranberry sauce. I love cranberry sauce with my turkey. Like it's one of my favorite things. And then you posted the blueberry sauce. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to make that because I know I won't have a reaction to that. And then I can have something else that I might have, or, you know, exactly. Have yeah. Which that's awesome. The community. And that helps so much that I am so thankful that although it's small, the IC community, everyone's very honest with each other. Everyone for the most part, it's kind. And mm -hmm. it really helps seeing other people. Like I said, that girl who I saw sitting on the toilet on her Instagram story for like six hours like I was thinking I've been on the toilet so many times with a pillow and a blanket, like trying to sleep on the toilet because I'm too scared to sleep in my bed. Cause I feel like I'm going to pee my pants. There's other people out there who are just like that. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Like and sharing, so that, yeah, yeah. sharing that helps really make you feel less isolated. And at first when I started specializing in IC, I was hesitant to post pictures or videos of me, like drinking my coffee or drinking mm -hmm. beer. Like I, I didn't want to like rub it in people's faces, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, once I started doing that, people would reach out to me and they still do. They're like, 
that's amazing. You give me so much hope. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, that's so, I didn't realize how big that is for people to see me having all of these triggers. And I want to point out that years ago, when I was in like the worst of my symptoms, I couldn't have most of these things. So I truly believe that over time, you will learn your body's unique triggers, whether that be diet related or non-diet related. And Mm -hmm. once you get everything calmed down and get your nervous system calmed down and the inflammation response is decreased, then I I believe you can add those things back in, in moderation. Um, So it's, it's not like a thing that you're never going to be able to eat these foods again. It's just right now you might not be able to indulge to the extent that you want to, but down the line, maybe you can. Totally. I, that's a good point in that healing your system first before that's like a huge benefit of also doing the elimination food plan is that you are having like my body. My doctor said was probably inflamed for about two years. Cause I thought I had a UTI every month for two years. So during that time when I was eating these very plain food groups, I was healing my body. And also I went to public floor therapy, which I think helped tremendously and would recommend to anyone. So that was a huge thing in healing it because if you're trying trigger foods right out the gate and you're not doing the elimination for long enough, going cold turkey for a while, your body doesn't have time to heal itself before. Like I had lesions all over my bladder when I got the photos taken of it. So, Mm -hmm. which is so crazy that that's even a thing. I know. Right. (laughs) It's like really scary. And I try to explain to people like what it is when I'm sure you've had this discussion every day of your life. When you try to explain to someone, Oh, I can't have it. It hurts my bladder. People don't understand what that means. They're like, you get a stomach ache. Like, no, (laughs) I would deal with this. Right. People are like, Oh yeah, I'm allergic to dairy. I'm like, okay, it's different, but okay. Right. No, I tell people, I feel like I am peeing fire if I consume this item, like, do you want me to feel that way? No, then stop pressuring me to eat something or stop asking me about it. Like mind your own business. I always say that. I'm like, think about when you have to pee so bad that your body is like shaking. Like you're trying, you're like driving in the car and you have to pee really bad. And you're like almost home. You're like dancing. You're like dancing. Imagine that, but 24 seven and you don't actually have to pee. (laughs) Like, right. Imagine that feeling. I know it's crazy that our bodies can make us feel like we have to pee and we just don't, or it's a couple drops. It's mind blowing to me. I'm, I'm currently inflamed. So I am currently feeling like that presently. Yeah. But I know I don't have to pee, but I did it to myself. I drank alcohol. Everyone I drank a lot mm. of alcohol on Saturday and now it's a Monday. A lot. You know what? I had went to, do you guys have Junshine where you live? Nope. It is a hard kombucha. Oh. And they opened a June China in Santa Monica. It's really, really cute. So I went there and I had, I think I had four eight ounce glasses over a span of a couple hours. And I believe I had an espresso martini. Well, which I love and I can have like one every once in a while, but it was just too many different things too much. And I don't think I was drinking like any water. I got I got slightly intoxicated, not gonna lie to you. So I probably drank more than that, but I know I drank kombucha, which is like already has like vinegars in it and stuff like that. So it's already not exactly the most bladder friendly thing, but it's also kombucha. So it's got a lot of probiotics. So I always feel like it's my safest thing, 
But yeah. now yesterday I felt fine today. I am having like that pressure feeling where it's like my bladder and my vagina, like literally hurt. <laughs> yeah. So how do you manage flares? I manage flares by a resting, which is the hardest thing for me to do. I do a lot of breathing exercises, meditation, if you will, just to try to calm myself down, like doing my breathing with my stomach and stuff. I will be very strict with what I eat today and tomorrow and the following day, drinking a lot of water. I, I did not have coffee this morning, even though I usually drink coffee every morning, but if I'm inflamed, I cut, I don't have any caffeine. Right. It's like adding fuel to the fire. 1000%. So I basically am just pretty strict for like three days in a healthy way, but I eat very carefully, see what I'm consuming versus on a daily basis. I'm not a freak about looking at the ingredients. I am when it comes to tomatoes are really, really hard for me and raw onions and citrus. But other than that, I'm not someone who like trusts the label on everything anymore. So for the next three days, I'll be careful and I'm just going to rest a lot and I'll try to exercise. But sometimes that is not good for the bladder for me. Right. So, okay. We have citrus, tomatoes, alcohol. Mm-hmm. What else triggers you? Those are my main ones in stress. Tomatoes is, I probably will not have a tomato until I travel to Italy and I will consume <laughs> tomatoes and take my Urabel. Um, right. I don't have, it's like chocolate sometimes does, but I found if it's like a like all natural carob chip or whatever, it doesn't bother me as much. Or if it's like hundred percent dark chocolate, doesn't bother me as like a milk chocolate. It really depends. And again, if I'm ovulating, then I can't consume those things, but alcohol pretty much always gets me, especially I don't drink hard alcohol. I'm like wine, espresso martinis, which I think is hard alcohol technically, but I don't count it. And <laughs> I like beer and kombucha, like hard kombucha. So wine is, oof, it can be pretty bad. So mm-hmm. I don't drink regularly. I feel like I've been drinking more than I've been to LA because there's so many places to go out and all my friends want to go out. But usually I probably drink, I'm not lying when I say five times a year. Right. So I'm not a big drinker. So you are, you know, 27, no, 28 year old living mm-hmm. in LA. How mm-hmm. do you, how do you keep yourself feeling normal or feel like you're not like missing out on life things. You know what? I had this exact conversation with my boyfriend this morning as I was sitting in the Whole Foods parking lot. I think that moving to LA actually messed me up in that regards because in San Diego, I'm hanging out with my boyfriend and my best friends who all know I have IC and like are actually very careful to make sure I don't have anything because they're all pretty used to it. Even my boyfriend's roommates know like what I can and can't have. It's very sweet. So if we're ordering pizza, everyone's like, oh, we checked, there's a white sauce or a pesto sauce. So you can have some, they're very good about all that stuff, which is super sweet, but here they're all new friends. And so they don't know what I can and can't have. So I'm having that conversation now with people for the first time, trying to explain what my IC is. And then also I live in the heart of LA. I live right outside Beverly Hills. So there are so many restaurants, so many bars, like not bars, but like cool outdoor, you know, rooftop bars and it's almost sunny every day in LA. So it's gorgeous. And everyone's outside. And I think I've gone out more in the last month than I have in two years. Mm-hmm. So I was having a conversation with my boyfriend earlier that I don't like that. I don't like, I really don't like being the person that like goes out all the time. So I think I just need to figure out how to navigate wanting to meet people and go out, but also just be that girl with the mocktail or encourage people to maybe want to go on a hike or something like that. I think I've just been caught up in wanting to go to the hot spots here. 
Mm-hmm. So that's actually something I'm dealing with. And literally had the epiphany this morning. I told my boyfriend, like, I'm going back to being the girl that doesn't drink. I did not drink for years. And then with IC, I didn't drink even longer. So I think I'm going to go back to being that girly. I bought some, do you ever drink Olipop? Um, No, but I think I've heard of it. It's a soda that is actually a prebiotic and probiotic. It's like a tonic. I actually, I don't think I've heard of it. Oh my gosh. I should send you some. It is so good. They probably don't sell it where you're at, honestly, because I've only been able to find it in San Diego and LA and it's in New York, but it is so good. They have root beer and Coca-Cola flavor. And I got a bunch of those and I have some cute crate and barrel wine glasses I just got from moving. And that's going to be the kind of girl I am again. The one who drinks mocktails. No that sounds more. like fun. I think I need to take a break from it. I think I really have just been caught up in moving to LA, being young. And also it's part of my job too. Like my boss, inc- right now Omicron is out. So it's a little less for the job. But my boss literally told me when I moved to LA, you have to go to functions. Like you have to go get drinks with people after work. You have to meet with people at agencies and other attorneys and stuff like that. And I will just have to, usually in LA, I don't think in most places, I think it's kind of taboo when someone says like, oh, I'm not going to have a drink to ask why, mm-hmm. because people probably deal with substance abuse issues or have just chosen to be sober for whatever reason. But I do want to get better at explaining in a quick and efficient way what interstitial cystitis is because I do think that more people have it than they think. Like, I feel like every time I've told someone they go, Oh my gosh, I think my sister might have that. Or I should tell my cousin, my cousin deals with all the time. People are like, I wonder if I have that all the time. Yeah. No, same. My friends are constantly like sending people my way and they're like, does this person have IC? And I'm like, I don't know. And I literally had a friend. She was like, can I give my neighbor your number? Because I think she has IC. I'm like, I can't diagnose her, but I can certainly talk to her and see. Right. No, no, I know what you mean. Like you need to have an elevator pitch for exactly. explaining your illness in a way that doesn't, especially like with men, I think it freaks them out Yeah, because they automatically think it has to do with like my vagina. And I'm like, no, it's my bladder. I mean, <laughs> sort of, my vagina, but no need to fear. Calm down. We're all people here, but I definitely, yeah, I need to come up with an elevator pitch to spread the word. Maybe we can work on that together. Yeah. We should come up with an <laughs> elevator pitch to like explain it in a, in a, in a way that won't make it less than I never want to explain it in a way where it's like, Oh yeah. Like I said, Oh, I can't have dairy. I get a stomach ache. Mm-hmm. If I just got a stomach ache or I just got a headache, I'd probably consume all of these things. Right. I also think that people, <laughs> people struggle to talk about it because it's so, it's like a phrase that is kind of hard to say. It doesn't come off the tongue easy. Not at all interstitial cystitis. It sounds like one of those tongue twisters. I stutter <laughs> when I say it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no. And it's like talking about urination with people again, like when I peed my pants, you kind of just have to accept it, but no one wants to talk about the fact that this 28 year old girl will lose bladder control. If she has a tomato, mm-hmm. no one wants to hear about that, but it kind of reminds me of like remember when Lyme disease was people were like, didn't think it was real, but now a lot of people have Lyme disease and people have accepted that Lyme disease is like a thing. Honestly, no. So that used to be a thing. Okay. There used to be like, people used to not believe that Lyme disease was like a real issue. And like, I guess it's kind of like how people don't believe COVID is an issue. Oh God, don't get me started on that. Move on. (laughs) (laughs) My boyfriend's literally a nurse. So I'm like, oh God. Um, Oh, that brings up something I wanted to say. I feel like the pandemic 
has helped people with chronic illnesses not feel as bad about not going out with friends or in, in missing out on those types 1, of things. 1000% yeah. because especially, so I got diagnosed what in January. So three months before the pandemic really hit, I wasn't going out to eat. I couldn't, but then no one could. So I was like, this is great. No one can go out to eat. I moved back in with my parents when COVID hit and I, we would do at home restaurant and it would all be IC friendly because we were making it ourselves. So that I agree. I think I got diagnosed at a very good time mm-hmm. in that respect. And also you're applauded for staying home right now. Omicron is so crazy. Everyone I know has COVID in LA and in San Diego. I don't know how it is where you are, but literally everyone has Omicron. Yeah, I, y- y- first of all, yes, but I went to a bar in Philly this weekend and they make you show your vaccine card to get in, which is annoying, but also I guess it's safe because then when you get in, you take your mask off and everybody's fine. Still a little uneasy about it. Yeah. But I love it. In LA, you, you can't even go into a coffee shop. Interesting. Yeah. You have to have your vaccination card and your ID. Yeah. And yeah I, you can't show them a digital card. So I love it because I was at June China this weekend and everyone, we all had our mask off and I felt you can still get COVID even though you're vaccinated, but it gave me that like extra insurance that like, Oh, everyone here cares. Right. <laughs> like, it gives you that extra reassurance for sure. Yeah, definitely. So that's terms- a good point for sure that the pandemic kind of helps everyone feel. Yeah. Okay. It's like, Oh, you want me to stay at home and do the same thing I've been doing? Sure. I can oh, do and that. <laughs> and sweatpants are now in style. Yes, Thank they are. Lord, because you wore jeans. What was that yesterday that you're wearing yeah, jeans or two I days wore ago? jeans. And honestly, every time I wear jeans, I regret it. And I do think I looked cute, but they were a little tight and kind of wish I had never bought those in the first place. But mm-hmm. I also at your um, recommendation bought those two pairs of leggings from Vuori, however you say Vuori. that. Yeah. And I love them. I actually tried the harem pant that I was telling you about it has like the baggy crotch region yeah and at first I was like these look a little unflattering but now I've been wearing them for the past two days and they're just so comfortable that I don't even care about that I feel like if you pair it with like a crop top to give yourself like a figure like mm-hmm. I think that's super cute I love Viore pants I wear a lot of Lululemon but I like Viore because it feels more airy yeah there. it's like breathable very breathable, which I like, which I don't get, the, I don't work out in Lululemon. I wear it as athleisure, but I never work out in it. Cause it's just too thick for me. And I'm, I feel like I'm very sensitive down there. So yeah, definitely. I so, don't know when I wore jeans last though, it was probably <laughs> a very long time ago. I try sometimes. And like you, I regret it the moment I have, and I wear like baggier jeans, but if you're sitting and you're in jeans, there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. And I can't really explain to people why I can't wear jeans. <laughs> Again, elevator pitch. I need to come mm-hmm. up with some, some little short answers for people. Yeah, no, maybe I should have like a contest and see who can come up with the best elevator pitch. Wait, I love that idea. Yeah. Let's both, they should both post it on our stories and combine our answers and see like what yeah. the best ones are. I think that is freaking genius. That'd be really cool. Okay, we will do that yeah. for sure. Because uh, I need that. <laughs> I probably give the worst explanation. I usually just say I have a bladder condition called interstitial cystitis. And then people go, oh, whatever. What are the symptoms? And I say, have you ever had a UTI? Imagine that every day of your life. 
you know, people are like, no, never had one. I'm like, well, okay, then. <laughs> Into the five minute explanation, I guess. <laughs> okay. So basically, yeah, exactly. Uh, I know it's, you want to spread awareness, but you also just like, don't, well, I know I don't always want to put in the work that needs to go into a conversation like that, especially when well, I'm it gets frustrating when people diminish it a lot. Yeah. Because of course you want to talk about it in like a positive way and like be positive and happy and be like, I'm learning to live with it. I'm, you know, life goes on. But also when you do that, then people act like it's actually not that big of a deal when it's like life altering. Right. But also I don't want to explain it and sound woe is me because everyone interstitial cystitis is my biggest body problem. That's not that bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I am healthy for the most part otherwise. So I never want to sound what was me, but also don't want people to explain it in a way that diminishes the severity of IC. And there are people with IC a lot worse than me. I remember when I got diagnosed, my doctor asked me if I was in therapy and I said, yeah, I'm in therapy for an eating disorder, but not obviously not related to this. And he said that he has a lot of suicidal patients who have such severe IC that they like can't leave their house. Yeah. I've seen some of those type of cases, uh, mostly in the Facebook support groups, but that's very sad that it comes to that for a lot of people. And I'm glad that your doctor asked you if you had a therapist, that's more you know, than what doctors are doing. Other than the fact that he handed me that sheet of paper with everything <laughs> on it and told me to never have coffee again in my life. Right. Other than that, he was a nice guy and he gave me medication, which I do appreciate. Oh yeah. Tell me what medication you take. I take eight milligrams of Tovias every day, three hours before bed, which helps with my urgency and gives me the worst cotton mouth in the world. So that's always fun. Mm -hmm. And I take, it's not medicine, but as a supplement, I take desert harvest, um, extra aloe vera, whatever, extra aloe vera oil, I think it's called. Um, Um, uh, Don't they call it like the super strength aloe vera? Yeah. Something like that aloe vera capsulated pills or whatever I take, I used to take six a day and I'll take three a day and they're freaking expensive. So I'm glad I can take three a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I take those. And then I have a Urabel prescription that my doctor fills whenever I want it, but I've honestly never even used one full prescription yet. I was planning on using it when I went to my friend's 30th birthday party and was like, I'm going to drink wine and then I'll take Urabel. But then I, once I got there, I was like, I don't want to be inflamed the whole time I'm here. I'll just be sober. But, um, so you were taking the Urabel. I've never, I've taken it. I took a pill. You're supposed to take three a day, I think. And I did that one day and I was like, eh, I don't really need it. So I haven't so ever- you're aware that it turns your pee blue. <laughs> yes. But I, because I've had so many UTIs, quote unquote, I'm used to medication turning my pee weird colors because every medication they give you for UTIs always turns to like orange or purple or blue or. Right. Have you ever peed and like the toilet gets like permanently stained from it? Oh my God. That happens. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. In law school, I was working at a law firm and there was only two girls in the firm. And so we were the only two people that used the bathroom. And I remember one time my pee was purple. It was either purple or orange, like a weird color. And it stained it. And I was like, she is going to think that either I'm extremely dehydrated or something is severely wrong with me. And I literally, this is so gross. I can't believe I'm saying this took toilet paper and I like scrubbed the inside of the toilet. Oh, I'm pretty sure I've done that before. Yeah. I was so embarrassed. I was like, I don't want any questions like weirdness. And I don't know this woman well enough to explain to her that I have a really raging UTI. Yeah. No, I remember back in college when I would 
do the whole freshman going to a frat house. Um, and I would go with my friends up to the bathroom and I don't know if you like did this in college, but everybody, there'd be like three people in the bathroom or and (laughs) you all just take turns peeing. And I would always want to go last so that nobody would have to come after me. And I'd have to explain why my pee was orange or blue. Oh my God. Because everybody's drunk. So I don't even want to go there. Oh yeah, (laughs) totally. No, I was definitely that girl. And I probably had that same scenario a million times. Yeah. I've definitely put my hand in the toilet a few times and scrubbed with a piece of toilet paper. (laughs) Oh, and like you keep reflushing and then it just stops flushing and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? We've all been there. I'm sure people who are listening to this are going to be like, oh yeah, same, same right now. Exactly. Yeah. So if you could give one piece of advice for somebody newly diagnosed with IC, what would that be? Can I give three? Yeah, you could give three. Number one, find a community, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, TikTok, family, TikTok, (laughs) your TikTok in, if you're vining, whatever is happening on social media, find a community. Number two, do the elimination diet and do it with someone like you who can help them because I wish I had had that. I felt confused and alone and scared to introduce things and unsure if I'd waited long enough and all of that. So someone like you to actually can help them. But also when you're finding that person, make sure it is someone who's an actual dietitian. Yes. I was going to chime in there. Um, definitely make sure. Don't listen to me. (laughs) Don't listen to people like me or like, this is what I do. And I always do give that like asterisk. I'm not a dietitian. I went to law school. I don't know. I'm just saying what helps me, but I think that a lot of people listen to people because social media gives you a right to say whatever you want, whether it's true or not, mm-hmm. but people like you, you specialize in this and you're what one of two yeah. IC dietitians in the United States. Yeah. So it's hard to come by, but if you find someone like you, that's so helpful. Yeah. And I was going to say, um, if you're somebody who's listening to this and you are going to set out to look for a dietitian, um, just know that I see is not something that is taught to us in school. They're mm-hmm. most likely not going to know about it unless they personally have it, or they have a friend or family member that has it, or they're just really interested in doing research. And if that's the case, then they can absolutely guide you through an elimination diet. Still, they just might need a little bit of teaching on their end of things. And if that's the case and the dietitian is struggling to understand it, you can absolutely have them reach out to me. I don't mind. I'm really trying to educate as many people as I possibly can mm-hmm. in order to help people with IC get that education and get that help that they need. So I just wanted to chime in with that. No, 1000%. I couldn't agree more. So yeah, number one community and also including community while we're on the topic of dietitians and people who maybe haven't heard of IC, do not talk to people who tell you IC is not real. There will be, there will be doctors. There will be people. There will be people who claim that they know everything who will say interstitial cystitis isn't real and walk away from those people. So number two, find, find someone to assist you with an elimination diet or elimination food plan. And third pelvic floor therapy. Yeah. It is so helpful 
I could not recommend enough. I don't even go anymore. Um, but I went for nine months and I started twice a week for quite a few months and then initially went to once a week. And then now I don't even go, but it was so helpful. And just make sure you have a good one. I've talked to a lot of people who say that there's hasn't done visceral manipulation or hasn't done internal work, only does outside work. Make sure you get someone who does everything. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to remember that not, not every PT is the same as the next PT, at least make sure that they are a pelvic floor physical therapist. And just, if you have questions, ask, you're never going to understand what they're doing unless you have them explain it to you. So just ask as many questions as you want. It's not, they're not going to think you're annoying. So yeah, that's if you're an advocate. Fine. If you don't think your PT person's doing what needs to be done based on like what you've heard from other people on social media or what have you, then ask them to do it or find a different PT person. Same with their doctor. If your doctor is someone who hands you a list and tells you take all this medication. I was taking, I took your about Actually, now I'm remembering I took Yerba when I first got diagnosed mm-hmm. just to get my initial like nerves calmed down. I was taking 11 pills a day when I first started mm-hmm. of all my medications. And I'm a believer that if you need medication, take it. I take medication for IC. It helps me with my urgency. I, I don't know if I'll take it forever, but it's working for me as my current plan, but don't be afraid to take medication. I think there's a lot of pressure to heal only naturally, because that's like, what's cool. And what's hip is to heal from, you know, the inside out. Yeah. But some people need medication and that's okay. I'm one of those people. Absolutely. That's going to be the fourth point on the advice for people newly diagnosed or even people who have had it for a while, you know, it's never too late to circle back to a medication or PT. I've been to four different pelvic floor physical therapists. So it's, definitely something you can keep trying. There are different methods and just need to find somebody that you really vibe with. I think. Oh yeah. And their hand is probably going up your vagina. So make sure you're comfortable with them. And my first PT person actually had two. the first one I went to my first time, she was like, Oh, I, we're going to help you. Your pelvic floor is off and all these things. And then you'll realize you don't have interstitial cystitis because interstitial cystitis isn't real it's just something that's made up because you get chronic UTIs because your pelvic floor is inflamed and all these things. And I remember being like, I just got diagnosed on Tuesday and it's Thursday. Like, this is not what I want to hear. Cause the last thing you want to hear when you're told you have something is that you don't have it. Cause it took me five years to figure out I had it. Yeah. So walk away from those people. You don't need them. Yeah, we don't need that negativity in our lives. <laughs> no, have friends like us. Honestly, I think it's like so helpful having you and like the few other people I'm like, I feel like I'm like semi-close with on the internet, but even just having people who are like posting that they're having, you know, inflammation, or this is what worked for me. This may work for you, whatever. And I feel the same way as you, where you said that first you were scared to like post coffee and stuff like that. I was the same way I was scared. Well, a people attacked me sometimes when I did, mm-hmm. if I posted something that wasn't hundred percent IC friendly, but I think it's very promising and gives so much hope when you do post that you're having a matcha and someone's like, oh my God, I'm dying to have caffeine. I'm like, I didn't have it for, you know, nine months, but. Right. Like the 10 people that your message helps is way worth it compared to the one person that's bothered by it. Yeah. Who's triggered internally by my. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
So what is the Instagram account that we have been talking about? Oh, mine? Yeah. What's your, uh, I was like, I was like, Oh, your name? (laughs) No, (laughs) mine. It's just my name at Annie Killen. I have not been very active lately. I've been in a little bit of a, a rut. I think it's the whole movie to LA thing, but I literally told myself today, I got a bunch of ingredients. Your girl's going to be baking today and tomorrow. I'm getting back on it. Sweet. I want to communicate with people again. I enjoy talking to everyone. I enjoy complaining together and coming up with ideas for things. I, it's just nice to have solidarity. Like you wearing jeans. I saw that and I was like, you're a powerhouse. Never could I ever. Like, <laughs> it's just like fun. Or like you posted yourself having a beer. Meanwhile, like I'm hungover in my bed and I'm like, this is what it should be. It shouldn't be this thing where it's like, it has to be so serious. Mm-hmm. It's just so much fun to like have a friend who knows what it's like to feel like your bladder is going to explode. It's just a nice feeling. Yes, you know? absolutely. Well, so, thank yeah. you so much for coming on. I think this was an awesome conversation. And if anybody has any questions for you, is it cool if they reach out to you on Instagram? Yes. Annie Killen, A-N-N-I-E-K-I-L-L-E-N. Please Instagram message me. I respond. I unless I get like the same message from everyone else post on my story, but for the most part, I like to respond to everyone. I love making friends with people who have IC or don't have IC and just want to know more about it. That is helpful too. I'll be working on my elevator pitch. (laughs) Sounds good. Me too. All right. Thanks again for coming on. Of course. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to make sure you're subscribed and following along. If you enjoyed this episode specifically, please be sure to leave a five-star review and tell me exactly what you enjoyed about the episode. For more content, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Nutrition.